Happy Tuesday. <laughs> Welcome to Love Babs Love Talk. I'm Babs Rolls Ivy. It's election day. Get your asses out there and vote. <laughs> uh, vote. Today is voting day. Please, let's 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 get out there and and uh vote today. I don't care who you vote for. I mean, I'm a Democrat and I want you to vote a Democrat, but if you can't see your way to that, it doesn't matter. Exercise your right to vote. Just just get out there and do your thing. All right. Good morning, beautiful people. Uh, it's election night tonight, so we'll be on uh, tonight, me, Markeisha, and Michelle at uh, 8 o'clock. So <laughs> you know it'll be a wild ride because you know we like a good time. And uh, 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 wine and pizza is our, 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 our food of choice. So we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to it. You know, and uh, it'll be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I am really looking forward to it. So uh, get into it. <laughs> get into it. And go to New Haven Independent and catch yourself up on all the races. Just catch yourself up. That's all. Just catch yourself up and, and be ready to uh, rock and roll. That's all I'm going to say. So... So if you go up to the New Haven Independent, we got a whole little page situation going on for election night. And and this picture that we taken is an old picture. It's not even a new picture. We this is a picture we've used forever and ever and ever. So, but that's kind of fun. So whoever did that graphic, thanks Harry, which I knew was probably you. That's fun. So, so uh be there, be square. It'll be fun. I see John DeStefano's got an opinion. Vote yes on the charter revision. I, I always thought, I always thought yes on charter revision. And let me tell you why. Because what happens is every two years, you just stay in campaign mode. And I know people are like, oh, you know, uh, two years will give us an opportunity to get somebody new. But that doesn't, you don't do that though. No one does that. These alders have been sitting as alders. You might as well make them four-year terms. I think you could get more excitement about elections, you know, if you give alders and the mayor four years. Because I just think it's just too much of an ask to stay in campaign mode. One year you're doing the work, the next year you're in campaign mode. And I don't think that serves us as a city. It does not serve us. And I understand people's uh, philosophical leanings about it because they feel like if we don't like somebody or we don't like the politics or we don't, we could vote them out. But you don't do that. We don't do that. So I know I'm clapping. Why am I clapping? Why am I yelling at people? Sorry, I didn't mean to be yelling at y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying, just do it. Just, and it's not about, it's not a, it's not a power grab. I, you know, I think people just make stuff up in their own minds about, because uh, let me tell you something. You don't change your dentist every two years. You don't change your doctor every two years unless your insurance carrier um, says that doctor is out of network. You got to find another network. And when that happens, guess what happens? You're pissed off like I am now because I can't use the dentist that I really like because they're out of this network and this insurance that I have. So I get it. I get it. I get it. I get how people think, well, we'll be able to get rid of uh, 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 a candidate if we don't like them. You know, uh, two years is enough to 
tell us whether or not we want to vote for them or keep them in office or they represent our interests. But, you know, the reality is you don't do that. I don't see this Board of Alders turning over every two years. I've never seen it. I've never seen it, you know. Uh, so we should just stop that foolishness. And, you know, listen, I don't care if you like the mayor or not like the mayor. It's it's not about who's sitting in the office. It's the office itself that requires a four-year commitment at, at a clip, not two years. Every two years makes no sense when you are running a city. It makes no sense. It makes no sense if you're running a car wash, a lemonade stand, or any of that to change managers every two years. It doesn't make any sense. So we frown on that in the in the employment world. If you change jobs every two years, your resume is gonna, you, people are gonna judge you and frown on your resume when you do that. So why would we accept it at this level? Why would we accept it now? So I'm just, you know, I, I understand it, but I think we have to rise above whatever foolishness is percolating out there about what they think corruption is or what they think is power grabs are or all that foolishness. Stop it. You don't even know what you're talking about. You're just making that up. And you, and you just, somebody whispers it or posts it up on the New England Independent and everybody's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. With no evidence of that whatsoever, whatsoever. Just going on their, 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 their feelings. Stop it. It just sounds crazy and ridiculous. Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. Oh my God. I have so much to do and I just feel like I am uh I don't have enough time to do it. And I, I rarely say that. But um uh this uh this this law school application process, uh, <laughs> what's wrong with crazy and ridiculous? <laughs> I, nothing really, Harry. <laughs> I, I've come to grow fond of crazy and ridiculous. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. If we could be any other way in this country. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. So, anyway, uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit under it. Because uh, I feel like I am uh, uh, under a great deal of pressure, and uh, and I and I never feel this way, um, and I think only because you know I haven't looked at in totality what I'm up against. You know, I've just been piecemealing it. Now I got to look at it in its totality, and I've got to sit and uh, go through this in a way that I haven't done. So so I just gotta I gotta do that. <laughs> I got to do that. I got to do that. And uh it's a little it's a little uh daunting, you know. Uh so you know, just trying to uh uh position myself to uh really uh get into this thing. I mean, I'm into it, you know. I'm into it as best I can, and uh, it's it's just a heavy lift, and uh, and I don't I don't think people know just how heavy it is. God, <laughs> it's not a walk in the park, you know. So so anyway, uh, thank you to all the people who are who are spending some time 
uh, and energy to uh, help me because you know it's a it's a it's a ride. So anyway, I, I'm excited about. As soon as I get off air, I got to run to the doctors. Once I do that, I'll come back and uh, I'll go vote. So I'll go vote about noon, noonish. Um, so I'll go vote and uh, get it out the way, you know, because I vote. I don't. I don't mess around. I and I and I know I don't like. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like who's running, but that's immaterial. It's it's the it's the act of voting that is important. Uh, and and I and I will vote. I will vote in what's in the best interest. I think of the city. You know, I don't I don't shirk those responsibilities. I I take it very personal. Do you know what I mean? I take it. I take it very. Uh, I take it very uh, uh, personal, and uh, that's it. You know, that's it. So, uh, I want to uh, make sure that I do my part as a citizen, and I am a citizen. So, you know, there you go. And this is my city and this is my town and I want to uh, uh, you know, be good at it and be responsible. So um, anyway, that's the world we live in and I'm in it fully and, and uh, happily, readily. So I didn't watch any TV last night. I, I was out with some friends and, uh, oh, you voted? And I don't even really know who's running in Waterbury. I was just voting against the party. All right, what, what, you know, whatever you got to do, I feel like, uh, I feel like whatever you got to do, Harry, that's what you do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like whatever you have to do, you do. <laughs> and the fact that you didn't squander your vote. Now, some will say <laughs> you probably did squander your vote, but I don't say that. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't I don't think about voting. I mean, I, I do think about voting against tyranny. I do think about voting against stupidity and I always think about voting against ignorance and willful, willful ignorance at that. So, um, so, so I, I do, I do have that on my, on my, my mind when I think about when I go vote. Um, uh, cause I, I, I spend a great deal of time thinking about, uh, how I want the world to be and the role that I play in it. Uh, so I so I take those things kind of seriously and personally, you know, uh, I take them very personally. And 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 I know that when I vote, uh, I you know I feel like I take the ancestors with me, um, because I remember how important it was. My grandmother made it very clear uh, that voting was was uh, important. 
and uh and I never want to lose sight of that you know I just I just don't so uh so I take voting very seriously you know uh spring is in for election day I, what is what oh it's the weather is nice is the weather nice it's supposed it's gonna be like 70 degrees today I have on a I have on a uh uh a, a gray cow neck very light I was gonna change and then I forgot I had stuff to do tonight so I have on like gym pants but that's all right they feel so comfortable I don't want to um I don't want to get out of them now that I slipped them on. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> now, now that I have them on, I don't want to take them off. I just don't. So I'm like, okay, I'm in this. I'm, I'm staying in this, you know, I'm staying in this. So, so, uh, I, and I have a lot, I, I was in um, Marshall's last night. I went to Marshall's yesterday afternoon and it, the lines were so long, I put my stuff down and left. And then I went back to TJ Maxx last night. And uh, I will tell you this. Um, I uh, went to buy socks. I had socks and a hat that I wanted from uh, Marshalls, but it was just too too many people and not enough people um not enough people doing um, uh, the cashiers. So I was like, what? So, so I was annoyed. And, uh, and uh, I was like, okay, let me, um, let me, uh, let me, uh, Let me just go back and get these socks. So I went and back got socks. But they weren't the socks that I had picked out at Marshall's. So now I feel like I want to go back to Marshall's and like look for all the socks that I wanted. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I wanted to do that. And uh I uh why didn't I get this? I don't know, these people. I'm doing all the things. So I'm looking forward to talking to uh, uh, Mr. Mills who has this book on uh, the uh, regiment. And I, I will talk about that in a minute uh, because I think this is important. I, I love this. I love this. Uh, I love this real commitment to, uh, you know, all over the country, everybody is like, uh, you know, uh, as being anti-black history, which is anti-history, right? Like there's so many people who are anti-history, whole school districts, right? And and governors and men, just stupid stuff. And uh, and it just freaks me out. Uh, uh, that we. That we are we are in this moment of of just refusing history, just just refusing, and uh, it just it just freaks me out. And 
the fact that uh that we are allowing this in this moment in time but what what i am seeing and what i do like uh uh is that uh people um are pushing back and uh are pushing back and it's really, really a good idea. And people are doing such a good job. Do you know what I mean? Like people are pushing back and 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 are saying, uh, uh, this is what we're gonna do. You know, this is what we're gonna do. And uh, uh, and we're going to get this information out. And, uh, you know, and people were doing it and people were finding, uh, people were finding all kinds of ways to, uh, uh, get information out to people. And, and, and I, you know, for me, uh, For me, it freaks me out that uh, um, I think what freaks me out the most is that uh, uh, this disinterest in 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 history, as if somehow or other, if you don't know it, it does not exist. Do you know what I mean? Like. Uh, it's just a, a little interesting to me. And uh, I find that uh, disconcerting. So uh, we're going to have uh, someone come on at 10.15 to talk about the Black Regiment. And I think it's about Connecticut. And, and, and it'll be a good conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a little rambly, uh, because I'm, I'm reading things as I'm talking, which I don't normally do. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but I, I am, so I'm just, you know, I'm just uh just looking at stuff. Oh, my A1C is 5.6. Ha ha ha. Okay. Okay. So that uh that puts me under the pre-diabetes. So hmm. So I'm I'm at 5.6. That's impressive. Okay. Although there are some flags, like uh, there's some things that are a little high. Like my blood sugar is 115, which is a little, a little high. You know, we like to keep it under, under 99 and it's 115, but I will tell you why it's 115. <laughs> I could, I could, 
I could absolutely tell you why he's one fifteen. <laughs> last night, <laughs> last night, last night, last night. Yeah, that's why. That's really why. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll go with that last night and uh that's the way of the world people so but i had a good time i had a good time i always have a good time always 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 have a good time so um let me get out of this and uh i'm good so always a good time and uh and i know when i go see her today my doctor today she's gonna uh increase a prescription i think and then uh and then it's off to the races you know then i could really put in some real time and uh and do some other stuff so so yeah i'm telling you people if you do not if you did not do the cinnamon chat the cinnamon uh uh good luck abundance you know if you didn't do it get yourself ready for december seriously get get ready for december i don't want you to miss out on stuff <laughs> I, I really don't want you to miss out on stuff uh oh there's a there's a uh a, a democracy fund complaint Oh, there's some writing for Alders. Oh, I didn't scroll down. Oh, that's interesting. See, this is how I this is why I like when 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 people do this kind of thing. Because this is just this is just what we should be doing. If you can do it, you should do it. Just write in, write in. Five. There's five write-ins. And if you can uh if you can gather people, that's all the better. That's all the better. So I guess there's a, a democracy fund complaint filed over a charter revision flyer. You know, um, and I think it's uh, Elikers. People ask me every day if I support the charter referendum. I do. We all should vote. So vote yes. So uh, Tom Breen reports. I, I don't know if, how I should, you know, how I should. I guess that I don't know. I, I haven't read the article, so I don't know what the beef is. But I'm going to go over now and I'm gonna take a look and see if there's any. Ooh, there's 22 comments. Oh, and then there's a whole bunch of whole bunch of other people who are voting uh who are voting yes <laughs> on the flyer ah okay <coughs> and uh uh okay 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 yeah oh well, you know the Republicans are 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 okay. Well, one of the big companies complains is that arrogant and condescending. This ad doesn't help that image. Well, I don't know. I I don't know. I I'm gonna save my comments for later. I I'm not trying to defend nobody, but I will defend people if I think they're in the right. And you know. Uh, does he get two terms or four terms? And when does this take into effect? You know, does he get to be mayor 
if we vote yes and then it's four years or after the next election. I I don't know. You know, but I I I'm, you know, you know, uh okay. You visibly <laughs> So you got to go and read the comments over at the New Haven Independent to really get a sense of like what the beef is. I'm 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 trying to I, I'm just trying to. We'll talk about it tonight, I guess. You know, it'll it'll be what it'll be. Uh, but um, get yourself up to speed. But get to the elections. I mean, they're open. The polls are open. They open at six o'clock. They close at eight. Uh, get up there and. Uh, um, you know, make your vote count. It is time. Um, if you want to know something about the referendum, read about it. I'm sure uh, it's spelled out. Um, John DeStefano has 32 uh, comments under his his uh, opinion piece up over at the New England Independent. Uh, I I just I, I I don't think this is a power grab. I just I don't I don't think that this is a uh, a power grab. I, I I don't. I think it's a. Uh, uh, I, I I they act as though older aldermen's turn over every two years. They they don't. I, these alders have been sitting in these positions forever and ever and ever. And I'm not complaining about that. That's not a. a I'm not making a, a a complaint. I'm just saying. People's uh, pe the way people think about this and what actually happens are not the same thing. <laughs> I know people are like, "Well, Baz, do you think they should have?" Yeah, I think all this should serve four-year terms. I don't. I think it's just ridiculous to keep being in campaign mode, you know, all the time. I just, I just do, you know, you know. So, so you know, um, Samuel Ross Lee, Reverend Samuel T. Ross Lee, uh is uh uh weighing in um and uh he he worked on the charter commission and uh and he says the original list of revisions sent to the automatic committee did not include four years for the alderman however the then alderman would only let the proposed charter revisions go to the votes with the possibility of four years for them too against my vocal objections the committee added for your terms for them to re to the revisions and the proposal, the proposals went to the voters like they're doing with this election, one up, one down. So the voters reject the entire revision as they should have. Okay. So. <clears throat> I mean, I, I think people are saying this. I, I, I don't, I don't, I, maybe people don't understand I think if they go and look at how long each alder has served, that would be a little clearer understanding for people because they make it seem like every two years we get some new alders. And we we absolutely don't. We get new alders when someone decides not to run or, you know, or some community says, uh, well, maybe it's time for a new alder. But they don't do that every two years. They do it after a period of time. So I don't I don't know why we want to be in this constant cycle of every two years running. I, I just don't understand it, particularly when when elect when alders get elected, they tend to stay more than one term. 
I served two terms and then I had to resign, right? So, I mean, I didn't have to resign, but I resigned, you know, because it was, it was, it was the honorable thing to do for the seat, not for my personal uh, 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 situation. So, you know, so anyway. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, yeah, we we run an entire federal government with two year terms for every member of the House of Representatives, but we don't change. They don't, uh, but we don't we don't change that. You know, I just find that interesting. You know, it's uh, I I think people are quabbling over something that uh, that doesn't make any sense, and I I just want to say to people. Go and look at your alderman, all alder slate, and how many of those people have served more than one term? See that for me, that's the indication right there. Why, why are we, why are we just having these ridiculous conversations about oh, we they should only have every two years when when they we don't turn them over every two years. So I, either you you just want, and and then we whine about voter low voter turnout. Make that mess every four years so it co coincides with the mayor and 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 all of that. And I think we'll be better for it. Like we don't know. And you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the other thing. If we don't like it, we can always go back to charter revision and undo it. <laughs> you know, like we we could just undo it. And I know people are like, oh, don't don't mess around with the charter and the constitution and all this other kind of stuff but we do it all the time so uh, have at it have at it Ooh, i'm ready for this i'm ready so anyway i just i'm just i just think it's a a, a conversation that makes no sense to me you know it just makes no sense, and uh, you know how to, how we say make it make sense, you know. So anyway, anyway, I'm just gonna go with that. Anyway, let me uh, let me tell you a little bit about my guest that's coming up. Because I think uh, you want to know about this. And uh, I've got guests every day this week, which I'm very excited about. I'm talking uh, every day, every day, every day. <laughs> I'm walking, 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 talking, 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 walking, walking, walking. And uh, let me tell you, uh, let me tell you a little bit about uh, <clears throat> John Mills. And he's doing a, a, a talk November 9th. At uh, I think that's Thursday, at uh, I think at the New Haven Museum. So individuals of Connecticut's color regiments highlighted at the New Haven Museum. So and if you haven't gone to the New Haven Museum, it really is a gem of a museum. So in honor of Veterans Day, John Mills, an independent scholar and president of the uh, Alex uh, Brienne Corporation, a Connecticut-based nonprofit researching the lives of the enslaved will present individuals of Connecticut's color regiments at the New Haven Museum on Thursday, 
um, November 9th at 6 p.m. It's free. And it'll it'll also stream on Facebook Live. So if you can't get there on Thursday, um, you can watch it on Facebook. So the, the Militia Act of 1862 made it legal for African-American men to enlist in any United States military or naval service, leading to the creation of a Connecticut's 29th Colored Infantry Regiment. And, uh, and during his presentation, Mills will delve into the lives and experiences of some of the men who enlisted in the 29th Regiment explore the current understanding of them and challenge how the nation recognized their unique sacrifices today. So today the 29th Regiment is uh, memorialized by a monument in Criscolo Park in New Haven. And if you haven't been over there, it's very beautiful. Um, it used to be known as Grapevine Point where the 29th Regiment trained. So it's it's over there in, uh, in uh, you know, like Fairhaven uh, in that park, Criscolo Park, you know, before you get to Fairhaven Woodworks, or I don't call it Woodworks anymore, Fairhaven, Fairhaven Furniture. So it's it's down there, and you know, you got the highway and the bridge um, in the backdrop, that whole kind of uh, thing. So among the regimental members, Mills will highlight is Isaac J. Hill, whose 1867 narrative of his experiences, a sketch of the 29th Regiment of Connecticut Colored Troops, is now in the Library of Congress. And in his book, Hill detailed traveling to Connecticut from Pennsylvania when he heard of the Colored Regiment. And he, he also discussed how soldiers of color were paid less than half the $16 paid to white soldiers and the resultant pushback. So if you've seen um, um, Glory, you saw some of that come up in the movie Glory, you know, with Morgan Freeman and Denzel Washington and and um, uh, a few other folks. A descendant of the enslaved, Mills believes a deeper understanding of history and the presentation of personal ties of our descendants can help build bridges of understanding and create better communication. And he will highlight previously unknown people and stories in the US history of chattel slavery, the transatlantic slave trade and the overall struggle for freedom. So he says, my goal is to honor the forgotten and apply critical thinking to our history to find solutions to the ripple effects of history that we're feeling today, he adds. And so Mill's own ancestral ties to those who fought in the Civil War spurred his interest in the topic. And he hopes the presentation will spark discussion and deeper thought and challenge audience perceptions. I like to inspire as well as inform, he says, and I hope to get people talking about this topic within their own circles after they leave. So, and then he has a picture of uh of uh of uh the the twenty ninth uh regiment in in the park where where it is now Criscola Park. So it's interesting to sort of see that. I love when I see these pictures. You know, when there was nothing there, right? I mean, well, there was something there, but it looks so very different than what we know it today. Um, um, and to see all these black men in uniform is just something to see. So anyway, uh, he's coming out at 1015 and uh and I'm so excited. Very, very excited to uh have him uh come on and, and talk about this important piece of history and why it's important, you know. And and uh and I do have some questions. <laughs> and and then and how do we how do we reconcile what has happened to those you know, those soldiers who weren't paid well, you know, and, and did they get pensions? I, I, I want to know all that kind of stuff, you know, and there are some, uh, 
there are some uh there are some uh what did I want to say? I forgot what I was gonna say. I got I got thrown off my 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 train of thought. But anyway, I'm I'm looking forward to uh to having him on and having the conversation because I think uh we're in this place right now where we are wrestling to even talk about historical things um, and, and to talk about them in their proper context, you know, which is, you know, when I was a kid, I loved, I loved social studies and I loved history. I love knowing um, what people did and how people lived. And, you know, uh, I think that's probably why I like period movies um, uh, because it was such a level of, of restraint um uh that uh and 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 it was white people put restraints on themselves <laughs> you know and 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 this notion of behavior and 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 what is acceptable or not acceptable and um and so that translated too because you know enslaved people black people people of color and indigenous people adopted some of those you know, up against their own cultures or what they what they could hold on to from their cultures, um, uh, some of that some of that white supremacy stuff uh, adhered to, uh, and along with uh, 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 how how black and brown and indigenous people you know lived, and and what they adopted to, and what they took on, and and what they laid out. In, in their own fight for freedom and in their own way to sort of be uh, in community, right? Like they just adapted some of the culture, a lot of the cultural norms of the day, you know? And, 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 I, and, I, and I always think about how hard it must've been, you know, for those enslaved Africans to hold on to a piece of home. You know, the ones that were old enough to remember or to hold on to a piece of home traditions and what they used to, you know, laying pieces of language and, and cooking. And, and then how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you pass that down uh, when you are constantly in flux? And by influx, I mean, being sold, children snatched away, um, um, your, 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 your folks from your, your, your community, your village, you know, y'all were separated. So you didn't have uh, common language and common, you know, there were so many things and it is overwhelming, I think, to sort of wrap your brain around the level of inhumanity that white folks leveled at people all over this world. It's, it's stunning to me, you know? So, I mean, if I'm white, I, I probably feel some kind of way about the truth coming out too. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't want to claim it either, but the truth is the truth. And we can't get we can't get to no better days until we make it through the night. So so that's that's the that's the gist of it. That's where we are, people. That is where we are. And uh you know, that's where we are. So whew, that's a lot. So anyway, so when he says he wants to spur a conversation, I imagine <laughs> these are the kinds of these are the kinds of uh, 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 conversations he would like to have because I feel it. 
you know, you know. So, you know. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, I'm I'm pretty uh excited to talk to him. You know. I'm pretty excited to talk to him. So we 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 can have a good time, I think. Uh we're gonna talk to him and see what's happening. So you know. So uh I'm gonna try to make the talk. I don't know if I can make it on Thursday because the uh, going to, I'm excited about this because I, you know, I've had this, I, I had these folks on, and uh, uh, I'll tell you in a minute. Let me pull it up. Uh, I think her name is Chelsea. She came on. She's an attorney um, for the Connecticut Veterans Legal Center, and this is their 14th annual saluting service. So. Uh, and uh, and so she was a guest on my show, and I learned so much about um, uh, why veterans need representation, because there's just so much trickery and foolishness that goes on that you need an attorney for. It's just, it, it freaks me out. And this freaked me out when she was on, I don't know, a few months back. So anyway, they invited me to come, but I, I was in the conversation with a young woman at uh, Possible Futures Bookstore who is doing one of the law clinics and working with veterans. And uh, and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I had them on my show. And she's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, we connected. Um, and then I get this message saying they would love for me to come to their, to their, uh, to their thing. So I'm like, all right, I'm coming. So uh, it's at the lawn club. So, so I'm excited. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go. Now I'm gonna see if I, oh, and Finn the artist I guess is performing. They got a bunch. Oh no, 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 they just get it. Oh yeah, the entertainment. So, uh, so I'm I can't wait to go. They've got a uh, uh, Finn the scientist is coming. Uh, Chaz from AJ and Chaz in the morning is the MC, which which is nice. Uh, Finn the scientist, the artist. Uh, Grant Eagleson, an uh, artist, and uh, Avery, the artist. So it's it's going to be a, a good night. And these tickets ain't cheap, let me tell you. So, uh, um, yeah, so I'm having a, I ordered a, the vegan entree, Thai green curry tofu, vegetable, fried rice and ginger roasted parsnip puree. I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for the menu. And then I ordered uh, Ife the chicken entree, which is a Madeira and thyme glazed breast of chicken, smoked mozzarella, broccolini, risotto, grilled portobello mushrooms, cured Roma tomatoes, roast garlic, maple demi-glace. Okay. And then there's a fish. I was going to go with the fish. I'm glad I didn't because it has a brown butter broth. So I'm glad I didn't pick a fish. I'm glad I picked the tofu. You know, I'm glad. So so I'm very excited by this. It's uh I'm looking forward to it. And and I'm thank you to uh uh to Dan for uh um Dan and Megan for uh 
I mean, not Dan and Megan. Um, thank you, Dan, for reaching out. Dan Patrick. Uh, I mean, Dan, Dan Patrick. Patrick Dunn for reaching out. I appreciate it greatly. I'm getting all my, my names mixed up. I know a, a, a Dan Patrick and I know a Patrick Dunn. <laughs> I swear to God, I do. I mix them up more times than I then I don't. So, but anyway, I'm going to the Saluting Service Connecticut Veterans Legal Center, their uh, event. And uh, I, I, I appreciate that they invited me. So, so that's Thursday. But tonight I will be holding court with my, my homies on election night. And, uh, and we're going to talk about all the things. So we're going to talk about all the things. But in the next hour, I've got John Mills coming on. And uh, I'm delighted uh, to talk to him and to hear about um, and, and to talk about his real his interest in 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 these history. And, and, you know, when people find out these things, it's usually personal. Right. It's usually, you know, some story that's been going around the family, going around the family, going around the family. And uh, and then finally, somebody's like, let me go find out about this. <laughs> let me let me let me see what I can find out about this. Let me let me find out, and and then they do. So I'm I'm excited. So uh, I'm gonna try to catch his talk. But the fact that it's gonna be Facebook Live means that it'll be recorded, and then I could go and uh, and uh, go back and 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 watch it. And uh, I, and I'm hoping that I get to go to uh, Collective Consciousness Theater and uh, catch uh, Fairview. I'm gonna try to catch that. Maybe Sunday. Maybe Sunday I could catch it. I think it's still here for a minute, so I think I, I think I have time. I could catch it. I'm hoping um, that I could catch it because you know I've been talking about it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I've been talking about it, and they were on just uh, last week, and uh, and I really want to, uh, you know. I really want to uh, see it, you know. And and I I just love collective consciousness theater. Like I think they get it right. I think I think they get it right. And uh, you know, although you know all their plays are like deeply deeply consciousness raising. I guess if you're collective consciousness, you've got to have a you you got to be deep thinking. <laughs> I think you have to be you have to be deep thinking. And uh, I'm like, all right, deep thinking, here we go. So, so anyway, uh, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. So, so yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and look, I'm gonna go to their, uh, I'm gonna go to their site and see, uh, what is the deal with, uh, how long the play will run. And, uh, Um, so I'm going to go and do that and uh, see if I can catch it before it goes. That's it. That's what I'm going to do. So I've got a few things I got to do. And uh, this is, this is another, this is another day. Like Monday was a lot of Monday. Yesterday was a lot of yesterday. Today is a lot of today. <laughs> There's a lot of Tuesday in this Tuesday. <laughs> 
So if I didn't have to run to the doctor real quick, uh, I've, I've got to run to the doctor and uh, jump through those hoops and then run back over here and, uh, and, and, and get to work. And then uh, have a conversation with people about what I need to do. And, uh, and then I got some reading to do. So the better part of the afternoon will be spent um, catching up, uh, uh, doing all the uh, inner city work. And, <laughs> and then uh, law application stuff. And, uh, and I do need to read the book because the, uh, the Hulu series, um, Black Cake has started. But the good thing is that it's streaming and I could just let it stream and I can go back and watch it. I'm not that far along from the book anyway. So, so I want to read the book and then I'll, I'll, I'll uh, get into it. And, uh, and my goal is to get these applications submitted um, before Thanksgiving because my coach will, will have left me by then um, in December. So I've got to put the pedal to the metal and uh, and then we'll be done. That's it. We're going to be done. We're going to be done. And uh, we're going to be done. And and I'll get to submitting and see what happens. And then as soon as that, as soon as that gets, all those things get submitted, then I'll, I'm going to spend some time looking for uh, scholarship money if I can find some. I don't know what's out there. Maybe I'll find a little something. I don't know. So I'm going to do that. Um, so I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to get some water, drink a little water. And uh, and I'll be back at 1015 with John Mills uh, to talk about the Connecticut Regiment, 29th Regiment. Uh, and I'm excited and delighted. So y'all hang in and, uh, you know, find it the next thread. Find the thread. Harry will post it up. And uh, I'll be back in uh, 1015.
It's amazing how you knock me off my feet Every time you come around me, I get weak Oh, yeah Nobody ever made me feel this way Oh You kiss my lips and then you take my breath away So I wanna know Understood what you were worth mm, no. And he never took the time to make it work no. Baby, I'm the kind of man who shows concern Yes, I do I only wanna make 
goes my heart beating Cause you are the reason I'm losing my sleep Please come back now There goes my mind racing And you are the reason That I'm still breathing I'm hopeless now I'd climb every mountain And swim every ocean Just to be with you And fix what I've broken Oh, cause I need you to There goes my head shaking And you are the reason My heart keeps bleeding I need you now If I could turn back the clock I'd make sure that FM, streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. 
Woo, welcome back, beautiful people, to the second hour of Love, Babs, Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. I'm delighted, as I told you in the first hour, John Mills is here to talk about the 29th Colored Regiment. Hey, Mr. Mills, how you doing? Unmute yourself. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hopefully you can hear me. You got me? Yeah, I got you. I got you. Okay. I got you. All right. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me I, or having me on. I do appreciate getting the, getting the word out about the 29th. Oh, I, I'm I'm so excited! You know, I've I've been to the uh, Chris Colo Park. I've seen the the monument, right? And uh, and I've been there for um uh for like uh uh me- remembrances and and events that have happened there to remember the 29th Regiment. It's a beautiful right. statue. Uh, you know, oh, monument. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. You know, they that's where they train. They used to be uh, called Grapevine Point there, and so that's where well they that's where they prepared. That's where they were reared up before they headed off. So yeah, where they put that monument, I think was appropriate, and what they what they displayed and built. Yeah, it's real nice. Yes. All right. So so what's your relationship to this? Like, it's, this is not just a passing hobby. This is your some of your family story. Well, you know, well my. Um, I have a nonprofit. It's called uh, Alex Brand Corporation. It's named after my youngest daughter. Um, and the intent of it is to find stories of the enslaved and or those in history of color who, you know, they may may or may not have been, you know, created some conquest. They may or may not have been the Martin Luther Kings or the or the Rosa Parks, but they have a story of endurance, right? And 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 so my nonprofit finds those stories. And after we find those stories, we try to like inject those people, their names, their images into those communities where they lived, worked, died, right? Change street names, create murals. And as a part of that, I, I give lectures about those people. So, you know, my my history, um, I, I've been a genealogist for many, many years and and dug into my own genealogy and found the roots to enslavement and walked through woods where my ancestors were or over parking oh. lots where they were buried underneath. You know, I, I've been through that whole journey over the last 30 years. So it for me, those people, no one knows them, but they mattered to me because I wouldn't be here if they didn't endure. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's why that's what I do now. I try to find those people and highlight what they did. So tell me about the 29th Regiment. So this is a this is a colored regiment. I mean, that's the right. word that they used back in the day. And, right. and these were the folks that fought in the in the Civil War. Right. Right. Yeah. So, well, at the time, Connecticut, um, it was it was illegal prior to th- this point in time for a person of color to join a state militia. Um, and so they they just were not um, uh, legally a part of the, they were a part of the Civil War, but not legally as a part of the army. And so uh, in uh, in 1862, things weren't going so great. And um, uh, President Lincoln passed the Militia Act that said, okay, okay, we're going to let people of color, you know, fight. They can't be paid as much, but they can fight. And right at that point, states started creating colored militias, right? And uh, Connecticut didn't do that right away. They took them a little over a year and a half. But in late 1863, Connecticut was, you know, their quota wasn't being met. Uh, Lincoln's quota for us was like 7,700 men. We had given them like 2,300. And so it was like, well, if you don't give us the other 5,400, we're going to double that by January 1st or January 5th of 1864. So Connecticut had to find a way to solve for that. So the way they solved for it was, well, they said we can create colored militias now, so let's create a colored militia. And then now you have the 29. And and so so these 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 men, uh, these black men that served in the in the 
in the 29th uh, Regiment, they weren't from Connecticut. They came from all points, didn't they? Well, when yeah, you got have, out? Oh, man. Well, and, and absolutely. Because, you know, at, at the time, the, the African-American, well, well, they weren't considered citizens at the time, so they were people of African descent. But they wanted to prove, you know, we're just as, you know, human as you are. And so a lot of um, people of African descent across the country were just looking for states or locations that would accept them to fight for this cause, right? So when Connecticut raised the 29th, if the, the regiment in their state of color was full, they came to Connecticut, right? And so you see a lot of people coming from other states, coming to New Haven to say, hey, I'll sign up. I want to be a part of it. So yeah, they were from a lot of different places. Wow. And so what was on the table to, I mean, I, I, I imagine that the, the biggest draw was we are men and we, right. and we want to fight and we want to show you that we are equal to, right? Right, we, right. We, wanna, we, we are here. Um, but, but then there was some pay discrepancy. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, the, that 1862 Militia Act, right off the bat, right within it says, okay, you, you can pay them. $10 a month, uh, and you can take $3 out of that for their clothing, so making it $7 a month. That's right in the act. And uh, for white Americans at the time, lowest ranking of a private, that, that pay was $13 a month, and they didn't charge them out of that for the clothing. So it's like half the pay, right? And so there was that discrepancy. And then also, um, there was a bounty or a bonus for you enlisting. Right. And so if you were if you were a, a, a white person, there was the, the, the federal government gave you like some three hundred and two dollars plus another 60. Uh, and there were other incentives to enlist. Whereas if you were of African descent, the, the, the federal government gave you nothing. But the state gave you a bounty of which white Americans got as well, which is another three hundred dollars. So, yeah, it was like half the, the incentive. To, to enlist. But I think, again, I think the people of African descent were just like, look, like we we about to do something about this whole slavery thing. And we're going to prove that we shouldn't be, you know, considered this way. We're human. And so they just had a whole nother, you know, mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can imagine. So. All right. So how long did the how long did the 29th Regiment last? I mean, I, I saw the film Glory, right? I saw. Yeah. Yeah. I saw right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know, I saw it too. So I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. I know. Well, yeah, I mean, it went into 1865, but, but I mean, the pri the primary battles were um, around Richmond, Virginia um, it, from August to early, uh, August of 1864 through early 1865 and uh, where they were engaged and they were actually losing men. They, you know, it was, um, and and they were proving themselves, right? And so, um, yeah, it was it for for me, kind of just reading the story, understanding who they were, and understanding what they were up against. I think um, it's something that you don't hear much. I don't think they really teach about it in the school system. I think a narrative around um, um, how they were reared and what it meant, I, I don't I don't think has been presented as accurately as it probably could be. And um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to throw that out there and make sure that everybody kind of knows what what that is. So 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 give me some examples of, of some personal stories that, you know, like who did you who did you find amongst this 29th regiment? Oh, my goodness. A couple people, well, a few people. I, I came to the 29th because I was actually 
researching another individual in Waterbury, or I'm sorry, in Wethersfield. And his name was Prince Mortimer. He had been enslaved all his life. And I think I like know eight... the Prince Mortimer story. I think. I yeah. think I know it. Yeah, he had been enslaved in Middletown. And then he was like 87 years old, been enslaved all his life, making ropes. And uh, he finally, to shorten the story, accused of attempting to poison his enslaver after he was being freed. And then he sent to prison at 87 years old. And he spends the next, you know, nearly 30, 30 years or so in prison. And he dies in 1834 at 110 years old in prison. So I was like, I was actually doing work. On wow. That story, right. <laughs> And and he was buried at uh, what at the time was Weathersfield Prison, which today is the Department of Motor Vehicles in Weathersfield. And he was buried supposedly in the prison cemetery, which was right next door. Today is a park called Cove Park. So I was actually doing research on him. And while I was doing that, uh, um, a historian in in the water in uh, Weathersfield um, told me he was like John. You know, there's another guy that's supposedly buried here. And his name was Nicholas Monroe, and he was in the Civil War. And I was like, what? And so I start digging, digging into Nicholas Monroe and find out he was from Maryland, and he came all the way here to join the 29th. And when he wow. got here, it turns out that the 29th was full, so they put him in the 30th. Connecticut now was creating a 30th colored regiment, and so they put him wow. in the 30th. Wow. Oh, now that and I did not know. Right. Yeah. So that's how I got to the 29th. So then I was like, I got to know more about this guy. I go down to the state library. I'm trying to learn about Nicholas Monroe. I'm not finding much. And um, a guy named Kevin Johnson at the state library, he's like, John, have, have you checked out the uh, Civil War monument in New Haven? See if his name's on that monument? I said, no. So I drove down to New Haven. I'm looking at the monument. I don't see his name. At the time, I wasn't like piecing together that the monument was like 29th specific, and I don't know if the 30th was there or not. I wasn't really piecing that together, but it took me on a journey to go, okay, who are we recognizing? Who are these people? What is this about? What are the details of the 29th? And that kind of started the whole ball rolling. Okay. Because uh, we because there's some dedicated people who are descendants of the 29th here in New Haven. Oh, yeah. And, and they were instrumental in getting this monument um um, raised, you know, uh, right. money, raised the money and get it up and, um, um, and, and, and had some events around it. Uh, so how many men served in the 29th? Well, you know, that's the thing, right? I, I, I find some 1700 or so enlisted that span wow. the 29th and the 30th. Right. Um, but you know, the 29th was supposed to be only raised to have a thousand men. And I think they ended up going over. It was they ended up having nearly 1300 men in the 29th. And then the overflow went into the 30th. Um, but, you know, the, some of the records, you know, are, 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 are sketchy. You're not sure. So it may be more than that 1300. But what we know is is the 1300 men. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's um, that's that piece right there is one that I'm really digging into because, I'm again, I'm trying to figure out. Who who served? Who's on the monument? And how do we recognize these people in general, considering the time they were fighting in the challenges, not only of the country, but of the state at the time? Um, and, and I mean, they didn't necessarily want to raise a colored regiment. They were kind of pushed into a corner. And, mm -hmm. and then what these these men kind of experienced. Right. I'm tr I want to make sure that if you understand the full context, like I see these people as huge heroes. Like we, I mean, we gotta we gotta do something about how we recognize them. And I, I mean, not only the fact that they enlisted, 
um, they were being threatened before they even enlisted, right? The, oh, the, I'm the, sure. The, I mean, oh man, you know, yeah, we the, the Civil War. So, right. I mean, slavery was still in full swing in places, right. and that's right. But yeah, they didn't oh, want yeah. those black men uh -uh. fighting. Oh no, the Confederacy are put. You know, they they immediately were like, "Listen, you guys going to put black men in, into the fight? Well, if we capture them, it, it ain't going to no rules of war. You know, there's going to be a problem if we catch them, right? I mean, so they had that fear. Like, it's not like you're just going to be like some hostage, you know." And be be returned with an exchange. You know, you might be killed if you're black and you're caught by the Confederacy. So they had to deal with, you know, that concern. And then when the 29th left New Haven, um, they they boarded a ship and and went right to uh, Maryland. And when they're in Maryland, Maryland was a border state. So they, even though they didn't secede from the Union, they still had enslaved people. And they talk about how the enslavers and the enslaved people, when they got there, did not treat them well. Right. So, I mean, you know, you, the full context of it is like, you know, what they experienced, I think, deserves like a great, a more granular look. And I think a much more, you know, uh, larger kind of a um, celebration of who they were and what they did. So I imagine you've made your way to the Beinecke over at Yale. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to Bonnicky a bunch of times. Yeah, because they got they got all kinds of stuff in that place. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh yeah, that's an impressive place. Yeah, they check you too. You can't just walk up in there. No, you got you got to make sure you ain't bringing nothing in there. You ain't taking nothing out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I say that to say because I, you know, um, you know, Mike Moran and uh, who who runs the uh, the. Uh, the, the Beinecke and uh and, and a couple of researchers over there you know they've been working on um um uh digging up information on the first what could have been the first black HBCU in the country Ooh, you know yeah. um and and so they found all the you know all the documents of of you know what was gonna happen and what didn't happen and mm. how it was voted down and and so right. I, I'm always fascinated by the by these stories of of how we've endured and overcome because you know oftentimes our story is so not told in its totality you right. know it's just told from you know well we were slaves and that's it you know didn't right. talk about all our contributions while we were enslaved exactly and, and how we came here not at we weren't enslaved in Africa we were Africans who were kidnapped and brought here right and that's, that's a, right that's a different narrative right like that's a different way to tell the story absolutely and so some of the individuals that that I'll, I'll be talking about at my lecture at the New Haven Museum on Thursday night some yes, of the people I'm, I'm talking excited about, about that <laughs> yeah some of the people I'll be talking about you know they they came from enslavement like they may not have been enslaved but they were coming from states where either their one of their parents were enslaved you know or they were in an area where there was slavery they just happened to be free and so they witnessed you know this they were like familiar so by the time they got here and joined they're telling those stories about you know what it was all about and and also like another interesting aspect of this whole thing like you know when when they're um attempting to rear the 29th right i can't remember the gentleman's name but he was in this uh connecticut state house at the time and so he's hearing about this idea of rearing the 29th and he's like, that's a horrible thing. That's a horrible idea. Why would we do that? You're going to give black men guns. They're going to turn I, I was waiting for that start, to come up. Right. right. <laughs> Are you crazy? They're going to turn and start shooting everybody. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, there was a fear. Right. Yeah. But, and which still exists. 
right? Right. And and there's no examples of like there's no examples in history where we did that. I mean, oh, yes, there was you right. know insurrections and rebellions and all that other kind of stuff. But when people joined the military, they joined the military because right. they had a goal. They had a singular goal of proving that um, they were men. Right. That's right. And then to me, there was you can hear it. I got two narratives that I'm presenting at the lecture and you can hear it in how these people talk like their their whole thing is about like we're proving this for, you know, who uh, others of our kind and ourselves that look, look, this narrative that's been painted for who we are is just not right. And we're here to prove prove that other than just, you know, being patriotic. It was broader. You know, it's a bigger mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you like best about finding out about these people? And when you find out something new, what happens? <laughs> what I like best about it? Well, you know, for me, I came up, I actually was raised in California. And in California, at the time, I, you know, in the 70s and civil rights movement at the time, like there was a there was a lot going on with regards to the Panthers and the US organization, a lot of that. My, my dad was like big into like, you know, your, you know, your features are good the way they are. Your skin color is right. You know, he was like hard and fast, like make sure that you're prideful of who you are and what you look like. Right. And um, but when I got a little bit older, I was in my 20s. I had my daughter. I was I realized I had biases against myself that I don't know where they came from. And the way my parents were, I don't know how that happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of my research and a lot of the stuff I'm presenting with the intent to potentially and hopefully get those that are like me. They feel they're, they're not, that's not them, but they have these unconscious biases that are be behind their head somewhere that may be influencing or affecting the outside world. My intent is to hopefully get these people to self-interrogate and look in a mirror and do like self-reflection. So that's my intent when I'm, I'm actually telling these stories. I, I feel like, you know, telling these stories truthfully forces you to kind of consider what you've learned and then forces you to really kind of think about how that has impacted how you present to the world. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's always fascinating when I find the, the things that kind of sh can help drive that direction for people, but um, they're not few and far between. You, I, it, they're easy to find, right, um, if you're looking. And so mm -hmm. this well, is that's one- that's what we're saying, I mean, William Lansing, right, Mr. William Lansing. Um, um, there's a statue over over at the one of the colleges at Yale, um, done by the sister who did the Huey P. Newton statue okay. out there in Oakland. Um, yeah, um, Dana Dana King, I believe that's her name. Wonderful woman. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Mr. Grimes' story, which yeah, um, that wonderful book. You know, he had a I think it's like one of the first earliest published books of slavery narrative yeah. stories about his journey and Absolutely. Uh, how he how he got to Connecticut and how he you know bought his freedom and tried to buy the bought the freedom of his family and all of the kind of stuff you know Putin's Crandall and trying to educate little black girls and oh uh, yeah Connecticut so so Connecticut seems to be uh uh chock full of of where oh, uh, enslaved people um and every time. I, every time I go to a Juneteenth uh, event somewhere in the state, every part of the state has been touched by some some folks of in, of in, uh, uh, of enslaved Africans. Absolutely, I, I'm I'm a part of the Connecticut Freedom Trend. I'm on the committee now, and okay. so that's what that's what we we do, right? We're like bringing stories and then finding the locations where these people either lived, died, worked, and then we're 
we're actually installing um, the Connecticut Freedom Trail marker there so that, you know, and then there's the Connecticut Freedom Trail site where people then can go see where are all these locations and they can follow the trail to and if they want to learn more and, 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 you know, see those locations. And so, yeah, there's a, a whole bunch of, in Connecticut, yeah, there's a lot that just has not been told. You talk about the Prudence Crandall story. I mean, I, I know Connecticut has kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, embraced that story. For me, the big part of that story is Sarah Harris, the young black child that was like, look, I need to learn because I want to teach other young black kids. And we don't hear a whole lot about Sarah. Like we hear a lot about Prudence, but that started with Sarah. And mm -hmm. so, like, you know, there are things like that. Like, I want to dig into that. Let's, let's hear, let's learn about Sarah. What, you know, um, and, and similarly with um, uh, William Grimes' story, like that's a, that's a deep story there about how he escaped and what he was enduring in slavery and how he got here through New York and, and what that meant and what, were, what was going on with the African-Americans around him. And then the folks around him that may or may not have been helping him. Right. I mean, right. That, that's, a, that's a really deep story if you really dig into it. Um, right. And so that's I what I then do. I, I, I'm always struck by the fact that folks ran for freedom and then they had to keep running. Right. Like you always have to mm. keep, you know, and, I, and I'm also struck by how they found people like they would keep chasing after slaves, you know, with right. no technology, right? Like the technology right. of the day was like some kind of hand-drawn poster, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, they found William Grimes because I think he ran into somebody that knew him that you that used to live where he used to live at. So he took it back. I think it was something like that how they found him. But yeah, I mean, in the Fugitive Slave Act of the time allowed, made it legal for if you left the South, you're a runaway. The, the North had to give you back, right? Like, yeah. Right. And, and um, but that's another thing that kind of loops us back to this 29th story. When, when, when Lincoln, you know, uh, passed the, um, uh, the Militia Act, he was, and then subsequently um, the Confiscation Act, he, he was basically like, look, we, we ain't giving nobody back no more. And matter of fact, we're going to let them fight against you. Right. I mean, that was the big deal with that stuff. And, you know, so from that, you know, eventually perpetuated the 29th. Mm. That's a that's a that's a, uh, you know, because I, I, Lincoln was not a guy who was like, I'm for slavery. I'm for I'm for black freeing black people. No, I, I, I don't think he was that guy. I think he was no. like, I got to look around and see what's in the best interest of, of what needs to happen here. Uh, That's right. And I think having people like Frederick Douglass and uh, Sojourner Truth and people like that in his and Harriet Tubman in his ear, like right. they had his ear, right? And right. They were like, listen, you know. Oh, oh yeah. If you it, when you lay the story out and you see the events, like Lincoln was truly acting in the best interest of st a strategic move for winning the war. Yeah. So when he did things, it was like, oh, this is good. This is a tactical move that will get me to win. Oh, well, that didn't work as well as I thought. OK, let's go to the Emancipation Proclamation threat and see if that works. Oh, that didn't work. OK, let's put the Emancipation Proclamation into law. I mean, it was like he was just he was just walking through the steps like, that were like strategic to get him through you know, to, mm -hmm. the, to, to the end. That's what. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what happened to to the 29th regiment? Like once the Civil War was done, what happened to these people? What happened to them? Do you know? Do you have any idea some of them, you know? Did they yeah. get retirement money? Like did they get benefits beyond, you know? 
Well, yeah. Well, in, in the middle of the war, uh, you know, right after the literally months after the 29th uh, uh, broke camp and they're in South Carolina and and they tell them, OK, here's your seven dollars for the month. And, you know, they were like, what? I thought we were supposed to get $13, right? They were all upset. The 54th and the 55th in Massachusetts, they just refused altogether. They, everybody in their regiment said, we ain't taking that $7. That's ridiculous. And so um, in June of 64, the U.S. government was like, you know, what? We, we, we need them. So let's pay them like white men, right? And so that corrected that pay equity. But, and, and, and after the war, from a pension perspective, they were able they were able to do that as well. So um, after the war, yeah, folks were able to, to apply for their pensions and, and that all worked well. And I'll, and the people that I have traced, you know, they have different outcomes because, you know, Connecticut, you know, for me, the issue was bias and, and racism. Um, you know, slavery was just an uh, effect of that that would allow you to think you could do that. Right. And in Connecticut, yeah. <laughs> right, the Connecticut didn't get rid of that basis. They just the slavery it was just ended. Right. And so you see a lot of these people, you know, end up uh, the effects of them for it. For example, the, the, the Civil War ends and it's civil war over and it's put up to the vote for the, the citizens of Connecticut. Should we let black men vote? They emphatically said no. They voted that down. Right. But in the South. All them black men were registered because it was a requirement for the southern states to rejoin the union. But here in Connecticut, they voted that down. They were like, we ain't letting them people vote. Right. So you where you where they were living here in this state, you know, the, the, you saw the effects when you walked through some of these people's lives. The, the, the guy that I started researching for this, Nicholas Monroe, yeah, he was buried underneath that that prison cemetery, but eventually dug up and sent to Yale for, for dissection. So, I mean, wow. right? I mean, you, so you see like, you know, they're being treated in a way that you probably wouldn't see had they not been African-American. Mm. So do you do you ever have chance to talk to descendants of the 29th resident reg, regiment? I, we have some there's a bunch of them here and I oh, know okay, yeah. some of them personally. But do you get a chance to talk to them and and do they tell um, do they tell you stories that they've heard through their family? Wow, you know, I would love to do that. I've only talked to one, and it, and it actually happened to be another individual that was um, uh, enlisted for the 29th, was pushing to the 30th, who's also not on that wall in New Haven. And so I've been talking with that individual, and we've been talking about their story and ways that we can figure out how to get that individual recognized. Um, so um, that's the most kind of conversation I've had with. I haven't actually had direct conversation with anyone else other than that individual. But I, I've, I've heard some of them are coming to the lecture on, on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to that. Also, my, I, you know, my, my third great grandfather was also a Civil War vet. And uh, his story is a wild one as well. So, you know, I, I kind of can empathize when I listen to these stories of the people going like my, my loved one isn't represented. Right. Because I have the same scenario like my 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 descendant uh, should have been buried in Maryland in Loudoun Cemetery, which was a, at the time was one of the first um, military cemeteries that were established because so many people were being killed in the Civil War. But because he was African-American, he was buried across town in, in a cemetery, which was a Laurel Cemetery, which is an African-American cemetery. And that was paved over in 1957. Oh, my so God. Like, yeah, so Holy there's like 30,000 bodies under a parking lot 
there and my third great grandfather is one of them. Oh, right. Lord. So, I, so like I have, I have those stories. So when I listen to these descendants talking about, you know, I want to see how, where's my descendant? Like, how do I get them recognized? Like I can appreciate it. Right. Like I have that, that experience. Wow. But there seems to be a, a great deal of movement around um, uh, people finding bodies, you know, like, oh, mean, yeah. like, you know, the one in New York where they were doing some work and, and they were like, oh, wait, we hit some hit some graves here. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then yeah, come to find yeah. out they were all African graves, right? Like it was right. a whole, you know, for miles oh, yeah. and miles and miles. I mean, it was like huge. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, well, what are we going to well, do here? And, you know, you right. can't, you got to have some some humanity and dignity around this kind of stuff. That's you know? right. I mean, the reconciliation of like what happened and how to make it right is 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 one that, you know, there's, there's two sides of it. Some people want to be like, oh, that's a little too dirty for me. You know, I, 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 I want to soften that. And then for me, I want to, I want to highlight that. I want to recognize, I want to recognize how these people struggle because I, I think if you, if, if you lessen it, you, you diminish what they accomplished by enduring. Like yeah. I want to highlight they endured. So we've got to tell the whole story. So you know how, what much they endured, right? How, how much we should be celebrating them. Right. And so yeah. I just kind of see it from a different perspective. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to I, I don't think I'll make your talk, but I know that it's going to be live streamed on Facebook. And right. so if it's there, then I can go back and watch it. That's right. Because um, right. I have another commitment, but I can go back and watch it because I, I I'm sorry that I'm going to miss it. And, but I'm so That's glad right. I got a chance to talk to you this morning. Oh, no doubt. So, I appreciate it. Thank you, you know. so much. Yeah. Six o'clock Thursday, 6 p.m. Now, do you have a book? Uh, are you working on a book? Or are you? I'm working on a book, but it's not specifically about these stories. I mean, these stories will be referenced, but it's much more larger kind of uh, 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 progression of like, like what got me to this place, starting okay. in the 70s and kind of leading to this place. How did I get my mind to a place to think in these terms, right? And okay. so some of these stories come up in it. So, 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 John, tell me, when you look out at the country and you see all these, these, these states who are, who are, um, so anti-black history, which is an American history. Um, right. What What does that do for someone like you who who is a historian and and spends your time in your life um, excavating uh, stories of black people? Like, how do you what do you think about that when you when you're in these places and spaces where they are deliberately saying we don't we don't even want you to know these stories? Yeah, I feel like um, that is goes back to like I think what we were talking about earlier. I think there's an unconsciousness of bias because of lack of education. I think there's a misunderstanding. I think I think I think ultimately, I think I think that people haven't been taught appropriately. They don't have the appropriate context. Therefore, they can't tie the lines to the reverberating effects to today, right? They can't go, okay, there's a health gap and a wealth gap, you know, an education gap and all these things. Oh, here are all the lines that draw back to why that ha would be. I don't think they can make that connection because they haven't been given the right historical context and they haven't been provided the right historical information. So for me, it just reminds me of that when I see that. It's like, okay, it just um, it it um, just enforces that. Yeah, I probably should be doing a genealogical dig into these things and presenting what I find a little better than it has been in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. That's all I kind of gather when I see those things. Okay. That's well. That's a very kind way of 
of, uh, of say, that's a very kind word. Like I'm trying very, to be right with it. You know? I know, I know. <laughs> I was like, that's a very thoughtful, kind thing to say. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's their hearts. They don't even know that. They... <laughs> you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to present it in my mind that there is, it's not a good and evil thing. It's an informed and uninformed thing. Like I'm okay. trying to see it that way. Yeah. Well, yeah. God bless you. I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that stance. I really do. I I I don't hold that, but uh, thank you for for, for for giving me something else to contemplate and discern. I'll tell you. I'll tell you so. Well, good luck on your talk. I I hope that it is well attended. I think it will. And and I'm and I I hope that you meet some of the the descendants of the 29th Regiment because they are here in New Haven. And uh and uh, and they worked long and hard to uh, get that monument up and. Um, oh, yeah. And they, and they work long and hard at uh, trying to keep the 29th alive in people's minds here in Connecticut. So. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to hope. I, I hopefully I get to meet as many as possible. Yeah, that that'll be awesome. I think so. So well, thank you, John Mills. It was a pleasure. Come back and keep me informed of you know as Absolutely. you find out stuff. Come back. We can have, we could do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I'm game. Absolutely, we could talk about this more and more and more. I I, I right. find it fascinating. I do. I find it quite fascinating and so necessary. So very right. necessary. So. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. You know, I just go on and on. So you have to stop me. But, All right. Well, <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. And, uh, and thank you to the New Haven Museum for uh, connecting us. I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Take good care. Uh, you too. All right. I'll see you soon. All right, Harry Jones, we're out of here. I'll be back tomorrow and I'll be talking to somebody. Who, who am I talking to tomorrow? Let me, let me, let me, let me give you a little, let me give everybody a heads up. <clears throat> oh, I'm talking to Michael Fidel, the Adrift Project. Now you're going to want to know about this. So tune in tomorrow. I'll see y'all. <laughs>